Drag the puck up, Canada. This is We the North. Here are your hosts, Michael and Farhan. Welcome back. I'm your host, Michael. And I'm your co-host, Farhan. And in this snowy day of Montreal, of course, in late April, we have a special episode for you guys. <laughs> we'll be reacting to some of your hottest takes that we saw on Twitter. Unfortunately, we don't have the time to react to all 40 of them, so we handpicked about eight of them. If your hot take wasn't chosen, we'll be doing more of this, so this isn't your last chance. Before we start, I'd like to give a quick shout out to AdKingAngus4 on Twitter. Make sure you follow his account and subscribe to his YouTube channel, King Angus, for reliable and consistent hockey content. Follow us at We The North Pod on Twitter, and also make sure to follow our SoundCloud page as well, We The North. Leave a like there as well as a comment, all feedback is appreciated. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. So the first hot take we'll be discussing comes from at Matt Woodsy on Twitter, Matt Wood. And he's, sa- he's saying, Jesperi Kotkaniemi is currently better and will be a better hockey player than Nick Suzuki. Numbers wise, uh, Kotkaniemi in 43 games played has 19 points and Suzuki in 43 games played has 27 points. So that's about an eight point difference between Suzuki and Kotkaniemi. So it's not much. Yeah, points don't really matter to me as much as as much as it does to the normal fan because there's so many variables that are attached to it, like your line mates, your ice time, um, you know, just your overall opportunity. You know, that's for sure. Yeah. You have Nick Suzuki, who obviously gets like a lot more opportunity than uh, Kotkaniemi, uh, mm. which I find, which at times is deserved, but I also find inexplicable at times because you see it when Kotkaniemi is playing with talented players like. Uh, when he was put with Toffoli, Anderson, even Tatar for a short period of time, he always performed, and he's a much better player at five on five. But Nick Suzuki uh, just has the confidence in the, of the coach for whatever reason, and that's fine. And because also Nick when Suzuki, they play, yeah. And also when they play, I do feel like Nick Suzuki does have more confidence. You see him try things, even if a lot of them don't doesn't work out. While Kotkaniemi, I feel he's a lot more not sheltered, but just a little bit more scared. It seems. I yeah, I, I see. Yeah, I think it's easier to have uh, uh, more confidence if your coach has all that confidence in you. To be honest, you know, you have yeah, yeah, Dominic sure. Ducharme. Let's not hide it. He's he's given a lot of responsibility to Suzuki, a lot more than Kotkaniemi. Mm-hmm. And I feel like just I, I just feel like Kotkaniemi deserves a lot more. Like I'll give you an example. During Eric Stahl's first game here, he was automatically placed on the second line, and KK was placed on the fourth line, which I found absurd. That's yeah. Honestly, honestly, I I feel Aristotle should have been in the fourth line, maybe third. And Kotkaniemi should be in the third line. I think should always be in the third line, at least for now. Maybe it's the second line, but I do I, think Suzuki should be first line. That's a uh, actually no second line with the uh, with Jonathan Drouin. Yeah, I think obviously the Tatar to No Gallagher line is our first line. Yeah, I, when all are healthy, they're one of the best lines in, in the NHL statistically. Top three pretty easily, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have Suzuki and KK to give the ice time to. And uh, there's times where, you know, Suzuki's having the better game. So I understand rolling with him then. But there's times where KK looks really good and just doesn't get uh, the extra ice time that he should. But and you right can make now, the case that Suzuki does play the high, higher competition on the first or second line, right? Compared which to he does. He, yeah, he does. At a higher, at a higher fl- frequency, Suzuki does play... Uh, more better lines. He also yeah. plays on the PK, which KK does not. Although I think we should try him there because KK has been 
Uh, he's been really, good. He's been really good defensively. He's been great so defensively since his rookie year. Like, so I don't understand why he's not on the part on the penalty kill. Actually, I thought he was. I yeah, didn't I mean, know that. I kind of understand it, especially when you have Phil Deneau, Nick Suzuki, and Jake Evans there. You know, Jake Evans is arguably your best penalty. He's a, yeah, he's a great penalty killer. Yeah, he's really good at that. Um, and KK, I feel like they're they're still trying to shelter him, which I don't quite get because you've seen it from where when he's placed with good players, he performs and. I feel like every time he is placed with good players, you know, they like those good players are taken away from him like in the next few games for no reason whatsoever. Maybe it's just uh he just doesn't finish. And so they just think, all right, put him with Suzuki and Suzuki can get, get more goals. I in the beginning of the season, in the first 20 games-ish, Suzuki just overall did play better, in my opinion. He did I score agree. more goals, he did get more points. Yeah. He was he was really good. But he yeah, kind of tailored off as the team went on. I mean that's just Montreal being Montreal, I guess you can say. Yeah, and like that's just in terms of now, like long term, um, I feel like Nick Suzuki is a lot closer to his upside than KK is. Yeah, because... I do. I do think, Kot, uh, like you said, I do think Kotkaniemi does have a higher ceiling. I, Suzuki is one year older, so I mean he could be a bit better because of that. Yeah, and just yeah, KK is obviously a year younger. He's. Uh, his frame, man. He has he hasn't filled into his frame yet. He's six foot three, I think. He's two hundred pounds. He bulked up during the summer, from what I heard. Actually, he did. Yeah, he did. He got a lot stronger. But he, he needs he to be... in the bubble last year. His skating has improved significantly since his draft year. He doesn't fall as much. Um, and I don't know. I just feel like once KK starts to figure out how to, you know, find open lanes to shoot the puck, which he uses his body with, more. Yeah. Yeah, use his body to his advantage more because he's he's got a big frame. And honestly, um, just finish. I think he can. I think he can. He's a good player. He always gets a lot of good chances, but he I just think, lacks a bit yeah. of finish. And he lacks finish on his line. I, th- I feel like once Caulfield uh, is on his line, which I think would be a, ter- a tremendous fit, considering how many passes KK um, makes to- makes for his teammates that just go unfinished because he plays with fucking Byron and Lekkinen. Uh <laughs> I mean, I think playing with Caulfield, an elite finisher. I mean that's it's only gonna you know reap rewards for him and and coffee because mm-hmm. kk is a tremendous playmaker so i think i think i agree with this take and i don't think it's as hard to take as some may seem but as some make it seem i think for the casual fan looking looking on the outside like um if you look at pure stats and yeah you would think suzuki is better yeah but... because suzuki gets all that praise you know you've seen the comparisons to bergeron and mm-hmm. uh you know to o'reilly and kk hasn't done as much but I don't know, man. KK's fundamentals are just really—they're there for a kid his age, man. He's once he fills out, he's going to be dominant. He's going to be a top line center, in my opinion. Yeah, he's going to be a good defenseman, top six at least, top six center. I still think it's say. close because I, I think Suzuki's IQ is off the charts. But in terms of who's going to be more valuable to his team on both sides of the puck, who's going to put up more points, more goals? I'm taking KK. You'll take KK. I'll take I'll take Suzuki. Actually, I think vis- Suzuki's vision yeah. is still super elite. Like we've been saying, I, I agree. I agree. And I do think Suzuki Kotkaniemi may have the higher upside, but that's often rarely reached. Yeah. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to think he's not going to reach no, it. He probably will. Yeah. You know, like honestly, especially with the Habs, you know, you have, you know, they a lot of missed potential. A lot of yeah. A lot of good players. You know, a lot of good prospects. So. I wouldn't blame you, really. You know, they're already doing a bad job with Kotkaniemi, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So it's not impossible that he doesn't reach it. But if we develop him right, I still I think KK is going to be the better player. Yeah, may have the higher potential. But yeah. for now, if from what I've seen, just eyeballing the games and stuff, 
I would say Suzuki is the better player is going to be the better player, especially yeah, even next year. Yeah, that's which is absolutely fair. yeah, that's absolutely fair. Mm-hmm. Um, our right. next take comes from Slick Nick at Saint underscore Pablo two on Twitter. Give him a follow. He's saying that Blake Wheeler is absolutely dog shit, and he's nowhere near elite right now. And his contract, eight point two million till twenty twenty four, is a pain in the ass for the Jets. Damn. In the thirty nine games played, he does have thirty two points, and on the surface, it does look good. You would think, okay, that's not bad. Thirty two points in thirty nine games. He plays with talents, you know, like Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, Pierre Luc Dubois, and. That's a lot of talent, but he's terrible defensively, judging by his RAPM chart. And he's not a good player at all, actually. The original statement was that he's dog shit. The stats, the surface stats say no, but the hidden stats and all the other stats do point towards yes. Yeah, so. now I'm going to preface this by saying that I don't think Wheeler is necessarily dog shit because, look, you can have terrible analytics, but if you still put up like... Uh, if you're, if you're still putting up points, you know, you, uh, you're still... You're contributing. Okay, you're contributing, you know, in some way or another. Like Ovechkin, if you look at uh, his stats, he's horrible defensively. But, I mean, I don't think anyone can say he's dog shit. I think Blake Wheeler's overrated. I don't think he's a top six forward. But I still think he's... He's not dog shit, yeah. I don't think he's dog shit. I think he's bad, though. Yeah, he's, he's not dog shit. That's an extreme. But I do think he's not good. <laughs> he's not a good player. He's not a good player, in my opinion. In, in a scale of five to ten, in a scale of one to ten, I guess he's a, he'd be like a five. You can say like an average, maybe four, a kind of a bad player. Yeah. Just, but he's not. He's not a one. <laughs> he's not yeah. a complete liability. If he was, he would be scratched. Yeah. Um, okay. Our next hot take is going to come from Sally at Willie Byfield. Go, go, give her a follow. And her hot take is that Morgan Riley is one of the most overrated defensemen in the NHL. Morgan Riley in 46 games does have 30 points. And looking at it, it does seem pretty good. But is he overrated is the question. People really do seem to call him overrated because of his season a few years back. He had 72 points in 82 games. Yep. And, and the year after that, I think he, he slowed down to yep. 27 and 47. And yeah, it, it is a big drop. But to call him overrated... Because of that one season? I think both the eye test community and the analytics community can confirm that Morgan Riley is bad defensively. Yeah, he had... I think we can all agree on that. He's not good defensively. Uh, I wouldn't say he's bad, but I wouldn't say he's great. He's just kind of there, is how I would put it. He gets walked a lot. Um, I mean, I don't really... I'm not a huge fan of his. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just think he's like... he's, He's very... Um, his his upside, his offensive side does definitely weigh. He's great offensively. Side. There's yeah, no yeah. question he's great offensively. He brings he brings uh, a lot offensively on the table. But in terms of what the Leafs need, I'm not sure if that's exactly what they need. Considering, you know, you have all uh, those offensive talents in Matthews, Marner, yeah, Nylander, Ta- exactly. Tavares. And <laughs> even on defense, you know, you're about to bring in Rasmus Sandin, who can, in my opinion, take Riley's spot in the future. And actually, maybe do a better job than Riley. So, I don't think Toronto should re-sign him. As far as this take goes, Riley is most one of the most overrated defensemen in the NHL. I disagree. I disagree too. I think over the years, maybe in the past, yeah, people did call him overrated, did think he was overrated. But I do yeah. think it has come down a little bit as time went on. People sort of see it now, and even I would, I'd, I'd argue, even Toronto fans kind of agreed that yeah, 
he isn't as great defensively, but his ups, but his upside does come from his offense. So I think it's just I think it's just so many so many people calling him a terrible player. It's just made him more underrated in my opinion than overrated. Because mm-hmm. look, obviously, defenseman, you know, a good defenseman's job should be to defend. And Riley's not great at that, but what he does bring is on the offensive end, and he's not Quinn Hughes level bad defensively at least, right? Oh, for sure. Like no. he's I'd, I'd say he's liability defensively, but he's not like he's not horrible to a point where you can just say yeah. scratch him. Like he's not Weber bad. He's not. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't you know? say he's honestly a liability. I'd say he isn't that he isn't the greatest. He does get walked, sure, but he yeah. does play good. He he is pretty good. De- he is decent defensively. He's decent enough to get to the offensive side and produce there. I think, I, I think the good outweighs the bad in this case. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think we can sit here and say that Morgan Riley gets walked every game. I don't think we can sit here and say that he's bad every game defensively because he does have a few good games. And offensively, like we said, he's great offensively. Like he's he's one of the best offensive defensemen in the NHL. Mm -hmm. Now let's move on to the next hot take. And this is coming from Sid at Koski win. Go follow. Uh, And he's saying that Ethan Bear is a top pairing defenseman. I don't really see this one as a hot take, honestly. Maybe not top pairing, but I do see him in the top four at least, you know? So it's not really a big jump to maybe see him going to the top two sometimes. But yeah, it, it, stats-wise, sure, it hasn't been the greatest. 32 games played, six points. Mm-hmm. But then look at his defensive side, what he's provided for the He's elite defensively. He's elite defensively. Sure. Yeah. If you just watch the games and you can see what he does, he he helps the team so much. He's yeah. so elite defensively. He's a he has, great stay-at-home. And his offensive upside is really... He's got really untapped offensive potential, in my opinion. Like, his flair, his skating, his uh, his IQ, too. Like, it's really... It really stands out to me. Now, as far as, they, as this take goes, I'm, I'm going to disagree for now because I don't think Ethan Bear gets enough opportunity on the top pair to be considered a top-pairing defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And I mean that in the sense that he doesn't get... He doesn't always get... Uh, top line competition every game i feel like we need to see an extended sample size to really determine whether or not he's a top pairing defenseman but in my opinion he's a lock for top four and he's a top three defenseman right mm-hmm. now for he's still young, and he's going to be a top top pairing defenseman and may just end up being one of the 20 best defensemen in the league one day in my opinion maybe he's, he's supremely underrated uh edmonton has a good one and it's not it's not the worst take at all you could make a serious case he, he is a top mm-hmm. yeah honestly he's a top could, pairing defenseman yeah you can make a case for top two but honestly me and mike we we both agree on top four so it doesn't seem that much of a stretch for someone to say top two so honestly not that and much honestly you can you can for sure play him on the top pair if the guy he's paired with is better mm-hmm. or yeah. if, or if they just complement each other really well like in montreal you have brett kulak for example who like he's a top four defenseman but when when he's placed with petrie his underlying numbers are great. That pairing, so it's mostly a case of if he plays with the right player, you could uh, he could get it done. He could he could one hundred percent play on the top pair. Yeah, play with an offensive defenseman, and he can just take care of the defense from there. Absolutely. Yeah. Now the next hot take is going to come from Ahmed at Ahmed Meda on Twitter. Go follow him. His take is that Jesse Pugliarvi is a top three winger in the North Division. Now. <laughs> That one, that one's pretty hot. He has he has 18 points in 43 games, and to say that's top three, let's just get this out of the way. 
me and Mike, we do think Mitchell Marner and uh, Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah, Nikolai Ehlers, top are, two. They're easily better. Yeah, they're easily the top, the top two in our minds. Yeah, so we're automatically thinking of him as the third guy here. You have so Kyle top Connor. of my head. Yeah, Kyle Connor. I was about to say. You have Willie Nylander. You have Brennan Gallagher. You have Thomas Tatar. Hoglander. I wouldn't put Hoglander in there yet. Oh, uh, not yet. Okay, I'd no, say he's no, pretty no, damn good. Not. Uh, you have JT Miller. You have Ryan Eugene Hopkins. Uh, well, you have Brock Lesnar. Hopkins. Hopkins is a center, but yeah, he does play in the wing, I guess. He does play wing, though. Yeah, you yeah. have Brock Besser. Um, you have Brady yeah, yeah. Kachuk. You have Matthew Kachuk. So that's. We just named a bunch. I don't agree I, with this. I, I don't. I definitely don't agree with this. I'm sorry. I don't even know if he's, I don't if he's, think top, he's top five. He's not top five either. Like, yeah, I don't even know if he's top you five. Could, you could definitely make a case for top ten because he's elite defensively. Def- yeah. Offensively, he's just been really unlucky this year. Like I, every game, every game you watch, he gets a chance. He hits a few posts here and there. Like at some point, he's gonna he's gonna get hot. He's gonna score a bunch of goals. He's playing with the best player in the world right now. He's playing on that line. Yeah. Exactly. Look at him. He's look got at way center. too much talent not to produce more. So yeah. I wouldn't look at his points that much, but he's yeah, his definitely points. he's an elite player in the making. He's gonna be he's gonna be a good player for a long time. People calling him a bust after two seasons were. Yeah, fucking uh, crazy i'm sorry like, yeah calm down now <laughs> yeah jesus christ never give up on a younger player especially when he's 20 years yeah. and younger and also like, like remember that's McDavid? the stupidest shit you could ever do honestly you remember when mcdavid yeah, got drafted it was uh in three games i think he was point in his first three games he was pointless and people were calling him a buzz yeah I, I think he had one point in his first yeah i think it was, no, no, he, it, was zero it was zero points it was zero points in his first three games actually i remember it i, I think remember in his really third well. game he had like a point against dallas first game. are you sure i thought it was yeah, zero points in his first it was a deflection i believe yeah oh, okay I remember, I think a lot of people were memeing, hopefully, that uh, he was a bust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember, it was just funny times. Uh, you know, he's still a bust. McDavid, terrible player. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, in conclusion, Oilers fans, don't take this don't take this as a slight because, like I said, Pugliarvi is going to be a crazy good player for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's proven enough to be considered a top three winner in Canada. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think there's too many guys like uh, that are that have proven themselves a lot more, you know, like Nylander, like Gallagher. Uh, the Kachuks, I mean, even yeah. Besser, you know. Brock Besser, for sure. I have yeah. a hard time putting him in, in the top three, but he's, I'd put him top 10 for sure, which if you had told me before the before the start of the season that he'd already be top 10, I that'd mean, be, that'd be a surprise. Be I'd be surprised. Be, I'd be, I would have been surprised too. I thought he would have, it would have taken him a bit of time to settle back into the North American game under Dave Tippett's system, but he's done an amazing mm-hmm. job. Yeah, yeah, he's been great. And there's a lot of drama with what was going on, like just yeah. in off season. He wanted yeah. traded. He wanted out, and to hear and to see this is building back his trade value. It's really good for him. Yep. Now the next take is going to come from uh, Jonathan Drouin. Uh, follow him at Jonathan Drouin, and by Drouin I mean D R E W A N. The real Jonathan Drouin. Yo. Yeah, shout out to you, man. <laughs> Romanov and Caulfield should play in the AHL with top line slash top pairing minutes for the rest of the year to develop to develop their game. See, this one, I just have to disagree. Yeah. Their contracts, it's going to count one year for their contract this year if they play or not. So may as well just play them and see how they go. Next year, yeah, if they're not playing as good or if they're underperforming, I, I get it. Send them down. But for, for now, this year, Cole Caulfield hasn't even played in the NHL. So just may, test them out, see how he does. And Romanoff, I think he's been good enough to stay. So yeah. I, don't really, I don't really agree with this at all. I, 
I'm, I have very mixed emotions on this one because I've contemplated it before. Uh, you have some people saying that um, that bringing in Cole Caulfield for a few games might hurt his development, which I completely disagree with. For a few, a few games. games. Look, it's a few games. I know the team's been bad, and it's not exactly the best situation. But come on, how is it gonna de- how is it gonna destroy his development? Like, though? If he plays it. three to five games and kills it. I mean, you have a good player on your hands. He's improving your team. That's the point. Yeah, and if he's and if he's pointless in a few games, or if he's really bad, or if he's a big minus, okay. Exactly. Like we, Joel we Bouchard we... says, the NHL is a league of results. The AHL is a league of, de- of development. Mm-hmm. If Caulfield's ready, then... He'll show the results. Especially with Gallagher out right now, you can give him top six minutes. You can let him, you know, we're already pretty much... We're underhanded, it seems. Yeah, in the we're like... I know Vancouver's been good recently. I know Calgary can still catch us, but let's be honest, like most likely we're going to make the playoffs. So I think we can afford to try a few things. Yeah. So it's, I think trying it's Caulfield... It's position to lose right now. And right now, I'm just going to say this firsthand. I don't think Caulfield's going to be the savior by any means. But <laughs> yeah. I definitely think he can improve the power play because he, in my opinion, he'd automatically be your best power play player. At five on five, I'd say he's going to struggle a bit because he's small, you know, and while, while I've never knocked him for that, you know, small players at first historically have always kind of struggled at five on five to start out. He'll adjust though. Like he's a good, he's going to be a good five on five player. I think the notion that because he's small, because he has a good shot, he's only going to be a good power play player. I think, I think that's stupid because uh, this year, time. Yeah. yeah, this year in the NCAA, he led the league at five on five goals and points. The NCAA isn't, isn't the NHL obviously, but nothing he's shown nothing to say that he'll be bad at five on five right so i think and it's also, stupid to suggest he will be competition in the ahl compared to the nhl is many times easier right so that's there's, see- there, there's a large gap okay like the I'm nhl is the top three league in the world behind the khl and the nhl mm-hmm. but um yeah obviously but, the, um but a first liner from the ahl at best is gonna be a it's gonna be a fir- it's gonna be a fourth liner in the NHL, so you can just see the gap in skills, of course. Yeah. So let's let's see let's see how, what he can do, honestly. And if his contract, it's gonna count as one year, like I've said before. So let's see what he can do. May as well try try him out, test him out, see what he can do. Yeah. Now with Romanov, I think he's proven himself to be beyond NHL ready. Um, however, Same. they're not giving him any opportunity on the top four, like. He's one of your three best defensemen at this point. Like, I'm sorry, like, uh, Petrie, Kulak, and Romanov are our three best defensemen. From just from what I've seen the first few games that he played, I remember he, he had like a huge presence. I kept talking about this with you. I was like, he has a presence. I see him on ice. I see him doing his thing. But I don't yeah. know, lately he's been more quiet, it seems. He doesn't seem I, like I, I think he seems more quiet because he's making the, the calmer plays, the right okay, plays. Okay, the right plays. Okay. He's not making any more rookie plays. He doesn't look out of place anymore. Like okay. the, 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 the like, I feel like he started out the season really well with that with the first few games mm-hmm. in Toronto and Edmonton. After he really struggled, I think, and I and I thought that the AHL would have been beneficial for him. But man, since like for like maybe ten to fifteen games, for the most part, he's been. I, I've had no complaints. Like he shoots too much. Like I I, I think he sh- he makes too many stupid shots uh, instead of passing it. You know, because sometimes that'd be, that'd be the right play, but. Mm-hmm. He's a rookie, you know. They'll so, learn. They'll yeah, learn the yeah. hard way. He'll learn. He'll learn. <laughs> Throw him in the deep end. <laughs> so, in the end, I think I'm gonna for Romanov. I'm gonna disagree. 
with Caulfield, we're not playing him right now, so I'm going to agree with that take. Because I, I feel like Caulfield would, especially under Joel Bouchard, instead of Dominic Ducharme, uh, I, I think he'd get a lot more out of playing with Laval than he would with the Habs right now. Okay, I'll disagree with both. I I, I want Caulfield to play. See how he does. It doesn't have to be... I, don't want to... I think I think Caulfield can make an immediate impact, but we're not playing him right now, which... I know, it's because salary cap issues, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think we should give Caulfield a few games and then send him back down if he's not if he struggles if he's exactly good, yeah you know if he looks completely ready uh, and, and, and we give him and most importantly and we give him the opportunity to perform like on your top six mm-hmm. then keep him around yeah but if yeah. not for playing him on the third line like 13 minutes per game send him yeah. back down send him back yeah down or if he's if he's if he's a clear liability then yeah i get it i get your point yeah okay. our next take is going to come from teflon gm at Teflon GM on Twitter, and his hot take is that Anderson is not that good. Josh Anderson this year in 40 games has 22 points, but he has 15 goals, which is pretty good. And uh, I, Josh Anderson is really—he's a unique player we haven't had in in years, pretty much. A like few his style years. of play, his style of play is is growing extinct in the NHL. You have guys like Tom Wilson, like Josh Anderson. You know, those guys are rare breeds right now. Powerful and player. he's the type of player the Habs have been missing for a while. Since, pa- okay? since Pacioretty, I'd say. I, uh, I think Pacioretty obviously is a more. He's a he's got a much better shot. Obviously, oh no, he for sure. Like Pacioretty is quicker. a. I'd say Josh Anderson's a is a Pacioretty light. And I think Pacioretty has higher IQ than Josh Anderson. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he yeah, does have the his ability to find himself open on the ice. Sometimes is actually impressive for such a great goal scorer to constantly find himself open. That takes a talent. That's something Caulfield that's a, has. That, that's talent. a vision talent, yeah. That's Anderson, else. I find, you know, he's not really... His IQ later on, it's going to set him back when he's about 30 and, and his legs give in. Mm-hmm. Because without his speed, I don't, I'm not sure how good he is. Most of his goals, it seems, are more of like... Rush. Yeah, they're they're off the rush and they're kind of like driving into the net. While Pat yeah. Shredd, on the other hand, is just more of just, just that shot. Pat Shredd, you can put him on the power play, you know, on the perimeter. He'll, he'll shoot it past the goalie. Like... His game will age well. Like he'll, he'll still score 20 goals when he's like 35, 25 maybe. Yeah. It's his shot. His shot is deadly. And Josh Anderson in his last few years of his contract, maybe not so much. That one's looking a little rough. Yeah. But to call him a, but to say he's not that good, I think he's a, he, I think he is a bit overrated of how people, how, how much is, people praise overrated. him. Yeah. yeah. I'd say he is overrated how people praise him, but I do think he's still a good player. At least he's a good player. He's definitely a good player. Look, he can score you 25 to 30 goals, right? Like right now, you know, he's a 25 to 30 goal scorer. For now, he can provide yeah. physicality, which I'm not really high on. Like, I don't think it's as important as certain people think it is. Because the more time you spend hitting people, the less time you have the puck. Well, I mean, the game has shifted to more skill, speed. Exactly. So it's, but I mean, 10 it's years ago, that, yeah, it's the not big the bad Bruins. Like, I don't yeah. know. Also, I mean, 10 years ago, the big bad Bruins, I mean, they were scary, man. <laughs> yeah. I will <laughs> but, say this about Anderson, though. He's extremely inconsistent. Like, there's some games where he looks like a monster. There's mm. other games where he just, where he's just flying by doing nothing. Mm. Okay. But he's producing, so he can't really complain. That's something him and Domi have in common. It drives me crazy. Like, Domi last year was extremely inconsistent. When he scored, he scored. But when he was when he wasn't, he was invisible. When, you couldn't find When Domi him. was hot, he was hot. When he was gone, like when he wasn't scoring, he was invisible out there. You yeah. couldn't find him. So that's why his, he kept just getting sent down in the lineup. 
And yeah, it just was not looking good. Uh, yeah, I don't think Anderson's like uh, inconsistency is as bad as Domi's was last year because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he'll go like a few games without a goal or a point, but he'll get back on track. Like there were games where Domi didn't show. There were times where Domi didn't show up for twenty games last season. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was it was kind of rough. Yeah. At times. Yeah, and obviously Anderson's a better fit than Domi on this lineup, but that's not that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about whether Anderson is good is good or not. Of course he's good. Yeah, he, he wouldn't be on the second line in the fans? NHL team for nothing, you know. Exactly. Now, is he as good as certain Habs fans think he is? Maybe not. No. no. <laughs> but he is still good nonetheless. He, he lacks is not the consistency bad. to really be that top level player. If he was consistent, he'd be a great player. Like his contract would be a fucking steal. Uh, his deal isn't going to age well because his IQ and his dependability on his skating, you know, they're too much for him to really age well, right? Yeah. Because Josh Anderson without without his speed, it's maybe not... like a lot what Milan Lucic is now. Yeah, like his contract is six years, you said, right? Seven years? Seven years. And until uh, he's 33 years old. Until he's 33. Around 31, he might pull a Subban. Who knows? Might maybe. just start slowing down. I hope not, but. That's what looks. That's what it looks like to yeah. me. Yeah, this next hot take is brought to you by at Dragon's Quest, and he's saying that Barkov will win the Hart, the Selkie, the Messier awards. Quenneville will win the Jack Adams, and Bill Zero will win the GM of the Year award. What do you think, Alexander Barkov? He does have forty-six points in forty-one games. He's been phenomenal with Florida. Oh, he's been, he's been their best player. For, yeah, he's been. He's been really good. That's like, that's kind of like I feel like that's an understatement saying that. Which is something I can say for the past few years, where Jonathan Huberto was by far their best player. Mm-hmm. But to say he's gonna win all those awards and and even the heart and on a year where we had McDavid just popping off, yeah, I I don't know about that one. Maybe I don't know t- if he's not. I, I think he can be in contention for all three. Like mm-hmm. you know, obviously he's a captain, so the Messi awards there. Selkie, he's been elite defensively this year. Heart-wise, he's not going to win it because McDavid's going to win it. Yeah, McDavid is You can is make the case good. that he's top three in voting. Yeah, you can make the case. However, I mean, with McDavid being so high up, it seems like yeah. it, it almost seems like another tier, the second and third place. I don't mean it as an insult. I just mean like how unbelievable McDavid is. Yeah, you know, if the season ended today, I'd have McDavid number one, mm-hmm. Matthews number two, Barkov number three. So Barkov's in contention. He's not going to win it though. There's no way. Yeah, McDavid is just too good. He's just too unfair. His goal against Montreal, I remember he just he he just blitz defenses like nothing, and he does that anyone good? Like he does that like it's so common. It just seems unfair. He does every game honestly. It's insane. Yeah. So Uh, even when McDavid wasn't playing, if he was out injured, yeah, I could definitely see it. But yeah, not for this year. (laughs) Yeah. Now as for the Selkie. I'd say you can you can make a case for him honestly for the Selkie. I'd say Mark Stone, uh, guys like Mark Stone, Philip Deneau, Valerie Nichushkin, uh, uh I wouldn't have Philip Deneau this year. I know he's been good defensively, but I do think offensive side does is a big importance. And you know, yeah. But in terms of the Selkie award, I'm I'm not saying Deneau is going to win it, but I think he deserves to be in contention. There's, there's because Selkie, it's defense. No, I know it's defense, but offense is a major part nothing. to it, though. No? It, no, it shouldn't have any part to do with it. Oh, it shouldn't, it's, but it's I mean... best defensive forward in the NHL. Oh, not okay. best, not, not best two-way forward. Like, I understand why the award is given to top players who put up a lot of numbers because they do face top competition. So if you have a guy like Valerie Nichushkin, who he's on Colorado's like bottom six most of the time, mm-hmm. right? 
he's not facing top competition like Mark Stone is, like Barkov is, like Dano is. Mm-hmm. I understand that point, and I understand, you know, that's why uh, the people who win it, you know, they have a lot of points too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, there's no real way of knowing whether a guy like Nachushkin would succeed playing against tougher players, because that's purely speculation. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So I'd say Barkov's in the conversation. He's, I, I I put him top seven. In I'd, I was thinking top five ish. Yeah, top five. He, yeah, he's right there. He's right. But there, I'd say sure. Mark Stone is is gonna take it. I think Mark he's gonna Stone, take it. Mark Stone's my pick. Yeah. Mark yeah, Stone's I think pick. he's gonna take it too. Fifty-two points in forty-four games, plus playing all the best players, and yeah. just his defense. Ah, if you've seen him play, it's just it's unreal. Yeah. Now, as for the other two takes. Joel Quenville for Jack Adams. I agree with this 100%. Yeah, the, the, that's a coach one, right? Yeah. No one expected Florida to be to be any good. Not this even, good. I, I didn't expect them to, to make it past the fourth seed in their division. They've been elite. They, yeah, they're first, or I mean, they're second now, but I thought Dallas was going to have their playoff position, not Florida. Yeah, and you know what? I just like I just love what Quenville's doing there. You know, because he's put guys in the, in the right positions to succeed. You know, you have Carter Verhage, who's been a revelation this year. He's been an elite player this year, and that's no exaggeration. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Sam Bennett, who just arrived in the trade, who's looked amazing for them. Yeah, yeah, so far. He's been really good. Past you have years. Anthony Duclair, who's been great. Hornquist has been injured, but he had a great start. Anthony also- Duclair, such an underrated pickup. Yeah. They you have Ekblad on defense, who's been great. Mackenzie Weger, who one of the most underrated defensemen in the game. He's elite defensively. Yeah, I and think I he's think. yeah, I think he's top five in defensive uh, wins above replacement, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And also Aaron Ekblad is... being injured and out, and them still playing pretty good without him. Yeah, that's you got to consider. That says a lot about coach. the coaching. That says a lot about the coaching. Yeah, he's put his guys in the right position to succeed, and he's my front runner right now for sure. Yeah, so I would agree with and the. Co- Bill yeah. Zito for gem of the year. Uh, he's top three for sure. I, I agree with that one, actually. He's I would have three him. for sure. 100%. No this question team... about it. Joe Sackick has to be there for bringing in Brandon Saad for nothing and Devon Tays for nothing. <laughs> that, that's ridiculous. Maybe the Tampa Bay GM just no, what no. he's doing. He hasn't really done much. Like, I mean, he doesn't um, need to do much, to be fair. And also, wait, you can say that. Uh, putting, I'd uh, say maybe, maybe Kyle Dubas from Toronto. If you think about Putting Kucherov in injured reserve may have been such a big brain play because he can bring him I back mean, into playoff. But, but he had to, right? Because I mean, it's like he is. No, I know. I, don't I, know think, he I, don't, is. I don't believe the conspiracy that uh, no, I is doing it. Even though, yeah, it seems like it just seems yeah, like, oh, come on. It makes sense, <laughs> but I don't, yeah, I don't see it really. No, no, for sure. Me too. I mean, he is paid, what is it, eight mil? I doubt they would just let him sit for eight mil for nothing. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I don't, but it just, it's just fun to think about just how unfair this scene is, Tampa Bay. Yeah, that's not, we're not talking about Tampa Bay. Yeah, my top three would be Zero, Dubis, and Sakic for this year. Strictly okay. this year. Um, I'd put I'd put Dubis number three because I've liked his additions. Like, he, he brought in Brody. Like, he brought in um, Simmons, who's been good for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's brought in Thornton, who hasn't been terrible for them. He didn't, he didn't okay, yeah. Yeah, you know, Felino, I didn't, I didn't really like that trade value-wise, but it makes sense considering this year's draft is kind of a wash, mm-hmm. and Felino brings more of what they need. And also, so I like, think they want to make more of a splash in the playoffs. Finally, yeah, you know, call it, call it a cliche, but leadership does matter. Hard work and dedication 
For sure. That's what they have. Teammates. That's what they have to work That's what Felino brings, you know. So I think that's a great acquisition. I think Taylor Hall would have been better, but hey. Uh, yeah. That that may have been too much. They were asking. Now for. between yeah, between Sakic and Zero, I'm gonna agree with this. I think Zero should be GM of the year. Yeah, me too. He gave Carter Verhage one million for two years. That that's absurd. It might be it might be a little hard to resign him, but uh, it's still yeah. In a year from now, good. like he's he's on like an incredible contract. Like <laughs> yeah, he may ask for a little bit more because you know he might be a little pissed, but <laughs> like that's on him for taking this the contract. Isn't even a, this isn't even an exaggeration. Analytically, he's been one of the best players in the NHL this year. Over mm-hmm. in the entire NHL, he's been one of the best. Mm-hmm. If you look at micro stats. If you look at his, at his RAPM chart, which, by the way, it's ridiculous. He's been amazing. If you just look at his normal stats, man, like, I mean, right now he has 17 goals, 18 assists, 35 points, 42 games. What an acquisition. That's an amazing addition by by Zero. I'm going to agree with this. I think Zero should definitely win the award. Yeah. I don't think, I don't really have much to say about that either. I I disagree. Yeah. That's going to do it for our second episode. If you guys want to stay up to date with all the content we have coming for you, follow our Twitter page at WeTheNorthPod and follow our SoundCloud page. Y'all are awesome, really. We appreciate the support. Peace out and until next time.